everyone. You're listening to Chronic Chilled on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Aki Yo, and I'm coming to you today from the land of the Bunurong and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations in Nam, aka Melbourne. I'm going to pass on to my co-host, Bridget MacArthur, to introduce our wonderful guest today. Thanks, Aki. If you're a person with a disability or someone who cares for a person with disability, your life is inherently political. So wrote our guest for today's show, disability rights campaigner, Ellie Demarchelier. Ellie is the national spokesperson for Every Australian Counts, leading a huge campaign to defend our NDIS. We thought there'd be no better person to chat to today to get a lay of the land on how different parties are approaching disability rights in the lead up to the election. So welcome to the show, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, what a great way to spend um, the last few, um, you know, weeks before the election. This is just such a crucial time for our community and I love talking to you guys. So, and how was the um, National Day of Action earlier this week? Oh, it was more than I could ever imagine. Um, We had over 30 events across the country. We had thousands and thousands of people with disability and their families and support workers and friends um, take to the streets and have morning teas and, you know, um, events in the park and so many great things. We had people marching down onto the Member of Parliament's offices and chanting, um, the big night in event that night was really my baby and um, because I wanted to give back to the campaign team and to our community a celebration of everything that we had achieved um, and to give us a platform that we could hear from politicians and interesting people in a way that was fun and not another policy debate because We've heard many of those recently and there's a place for that. Um, but I felt like at that moment, we we actually had earned ourselves a night off. It was fun. It was a big, very fun, powerful event. Um, for, yeah, it was it was truly wonderful, Ellie. Um, very, uh, very powerful to have so many people virtually come in together to defend the NDIS, which um, if you'd like to talk about, that'd be amazing. Yeah, so look, this is what the campaign that I have been working on full time since I launched it um, outside Parliament House and took it straight into Parliament House where I met with the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese and Bill Shorten, um, Senator Steele Johns, and actually a dozen um, MPs and senators. And the message that we took to them directly was that defending our NDIS meant not keeping things the way they are right now. Hell no. It was about that we had been promised 10 years ago when the NDIS was created, we had been promised a scheme that was built on the idea that people with disability were the experts in their own lives, the experts in their own NDIS plans, the experts in their own supports. And that meant that we would have individual plans for our individual lives and that the plans were built in order to give us the lives that we always dreamt about. 
but that over the last year, year and a half in particular, we had seen the NDIS whittled away from that promise down towards a rationed, standardised mm-hmm. welfare scheme where we were once again begging for simple things like having supports to have a shower or get out into the community. And so defending our NDIS means getting the NDIS back to its original promise. And we think that requires two simple things, stopping the brutal cuts to individual plans. And we're hearing cuts of, you know, 20, 30, 40% are very common but we're hearing of cuts right up to 75 percent in one review um so stopping cuts to individual plans right straight away because it's it should not be happening at the broad um way that it is and secondly listening to people with disability about the kind of NDIS, the kind of plans and the kind of supports that they want, putting people with disability back in charge of the scheme because that was always the vision that, you know, Julia Gillard and all the people that fought to build the NDIS had envisaged. So, um that is what I'm fighting for. And we have spent six weeks leading up to the National Day of Action, building momentum towards those events. We held 10 um, community rallies, so um, across the country, 10 in five days. Um, and I have to say they were my favourite part of the campaign so far. And we just heard devastating stories. Mm-hmm. Um but that meant that when I was able to talk to media about why I was doing this and why we're defending our NDIS, I was able to take those stories directly to media. And, you know, I've said from the beginning, our goal was to make the NDIS a top election issue. And by God, we've made a splash. You just have to look at that debate and the fallout from that and then the continued pressure on political parties to talk about the NDIS the NDIS is not it's not a fringe issue it's a it's a core issue in this election and and that is because um we have continued and by we I mean our community has continued to raise our stories talk about the cuts and campaign to defend our NDIS so that was a very long answer to your question Bridget and Aki but I am so damn proud of this campaign and I'm so damn proud of our community because we have been told for decades Mm -hmm. that politics is not for us. Politics Mm -hmm. is something that's too confusing. It's too out of our league. You leave it to the people who know more. Um, We'll sort it out. A tap on the head, a tap on the shoulder. Don't worry about voting. That's a bit complicated for you. And we this election campaign have just said hell bloody no and we have said this is this is not just our league this is not just our area this is absolutely our election this is the ndis election and 
anyone who wants our votes and the votes of our family and friends needs to be talking about our issues. Yeah, and as you've pointed out, um, various pieces, disabled voters are obviously a huge untapped market, I guess, if that's the right phrasing, voting block um, in Australia. Yeah. It's one in, one in five, roughly, and what, 500,000 supported on the NDIS. And I think yeah. you're sort of right with the debate highlighting that um, kind of disconnect even. I feel like it was sort of a surprise that even that question came up and, and uh, there seemed to be a level of kind of lack of preparation potentially to address it. Um, how do you think the kind of key parties are tracking in terms of policy promises? Well, if we look at the, let's say in this, in this country, we have two major parties. We have two parties that can form government and we have a significant minor party that continues to play a role, which is the Greens. So we have Labor and Liberal that can form government, we have the Greens. Two of these parties have released a policy on the future of the NDIS, which is the Greens and Labor. They have released policies about what they are going to do if they have, um, in the case of Labor, if they um, are returned to government, what they will do um, in terms of the NDIS and in terms of the Greens, if they hold um, any kind of power, what they will do and what they will push for. The Liberals have not released any any policies at all. And what we heard very clearly in the big night out event is we did a, a whip around the country around, we visited, we spoke to people very quickly at a lot of the major events around the country. And at every single one of the events, the message was the Labor candidate turned up, the Greens candidate turned up, in many cases, independent candidates turned up but our Liberal member or our Liberal candidate was nowhere to be seen. Mm -hmm. And I think it was very interesting. Um, Doogie Heard, who is a legendary, legendary disability campaigner, he, 10 years ago, he was, you know, he was putting Labor its feet to the fire around creating the NDIS. He said, I want to know, from the party that is currently in government, no Liberals turned up to his event. What was more important? What was more important than showing up to our event? What was more important than talking about the NDIS? What was more important than talking to our voters? And what is more important than releasing a policy on the NDIS? Why does it seem like they're willing to go to anything and be anywhere else other than talking to us. We had a Labor, we had Bill Shorten, NDIS spokesperson for Labor, join us for the big night out. We had Greens, um, Senator Steele Johns, and we had independent David Pocock, who, can I just say, he actually reached out to us independently um, of us, like, contacting him and said, I want to know more on this issue. Who can I speak to? Nothing about media, nothing about getting any like recognition. So we put him in touch with Doogie. He went for coffee with Doogie, not wanting media, not wanting any recognition. And then he then got an invite to Doogie's event, came along back and then also came along to the big night out that night. Like, you know, 
independents have to be in a lot of places doing a lot of things and I give him real kudos for that like that's a that you know he could be in a million places and he chose to be there multiple times that day but nobody from the liberals showed up and in fact Linda Reynolds sent a statement in which I had to read it. Yes. And I had to read the statement from the teleprompter. And reading the statement from the teleprompter very much showed me that, by gosh, it's very hard to um, stick to these party lines, if for another, no other reason than, oh, my gosh, um, all of these very bureaucratic names of committees and and it just felt so lacking in talking to real people and uh, very um, jargony is the best way to say it very political jargony um ellie can I just you say <laughs> you talk you talk because yeah i i just was in my head going like how am i gonna get a breath in here yeah um for everyone's knowledge so as ellie has stated um every uh, Many members showed up, but the uh, our current minister for NDIS did not attend the event, sent through a statement to which Ellie had to um, read out to the audience members uh, like word by word, and it was a generalised um, political, I guess, uh, sorry, a generalised statement with a lot of political jargon and a lot of um, complicated words uh, that was that really didn't give us much information and so it was just not received greatly by the audience members because it didn't feel like it connected with them and I think Aki maybe you've landed on what what I think I've struggled with maybe um in just practically reading it but also in in how it connected to the audience in that it was really inaccessible yes like to an audience that included so many people with intellectual disabilities mm -hmm. and cognitive disabilities and such a wide range of disability communities, it was the most complicated statement I have ever <laughs> read. Um, and, and, you know, I read, you know, Lots budget statements yes. for fun. Like, yeah. um, my question with that is if you cannot, if you cannot meet us there, how can you claim to listen to us in government? And we are yet to see a policy from the from the party, the Liberal Party, that is still that is in government, you know? And and we go back to that debate that put the NDIS on the map, you know, very, very, very big way. Um, and the question that, that that mother asked was so poignant and so clear and I'd love to just quickly talk about that that whole interaction because I think it's mm -hmm. so interesting. But her question was so pointed in that it was what is what are your plans for the future of the NDIS? Right? So clear. Um you know, you can disagree and not like Mr. Albanese's answer, but he had plans, right? The Prime Minister, forget his blessed comment, 
He did not answer her question. He no. did not answer her question. Um, and so I am desperately hoping that in the last two and a bit weeks of this campaign, that the Liberal Party realises that, yes, there are a lot of votes to be won in this disability community and that, like, we, we are not, we are not, like, to be taken um, for granted by any political party. We are not owned by any political party. We are up for grabs. And if they release policies that are good for people with disability, like, that is a good thing. That means that that will push other parties to release better policies. I want them to release good policies. I will be the first one out there praising them. Um, it's just really hard to give them a fair critique either way when there's nothing to critique them on. <laughs> Ellie, reluctantly giving them the you know benefit of the doubt, say looking at their wider policies and also the wider policies of the other parties running, how do they, uh, I suppose, impact on the disability community? Are there kind of any significant policies that the community should be looking at, maybe relating to intersections around gender or aged care? Um, yeah, absolutely. And like, thank you for asking the question. It's, um, it is so rare that I am ever asked a question about any policy that isn't directly the NDIS, <laughs> as if people with disability are only um, their NDIS yeah. plan. Um, I think um, there was a really interesting announcement that was made yesterday. Uh, Anthony Albanese, the leader of the Labour Party, announced that if they formed government, they were going to hold a royal commission into the robo-debt disaster yeah. and this is a and I bring this up because this is a disaster that hit our community be worse one of the, yeah. in one of the hardest ways um because I think most people don't realize that 40 percent of people with disability live in poverty mm -hmm. and the reason they live in poverty is because they uh well, firstly, the DSP is way too, way too low. Um, and I'm saying this, can I just say, um, this is me, Ellie Demarchelia, talking. This is not um, anyone I'm, I work for. The DSP is way too low. But even forgetting that for a second, most people with disability can't get onto the DSP. Absolutely. It is too hard to get onto the DSP. So most people with disability are living off what is now known as job seeker. And that means that they were hit and targeted by this. Um, it was a robo-debt scheme that the government had a couple of years ago where they used a computer algorithm, algorithm to target, target. Yeah, to target um, people who had received Centrelink payments and in fact this algorithm was entirely wrong and yes. it sent um, notices of debts to people that were in the tens of thousands of dollars. A lot of those debts were incorrect. A lot of those debts oh, weren't even and, and let me yeah. just be very clear, most <laughs> of those most of those debts were Aki, thank you for 
making that clear, most of those debts were incorrect. Yeah. The algorithm was entirely wrong. wrong. And and it it put fear into people that they were going to have to pay back tens of thousands of dollars that they never owed people. And then people were calling up Centrelink that were being, Centrelink was being flooded by calls, obviously by people who were terrified for their lives. Um, And Centrelink wasn't able to respond to these calls. And then people were just terrified that Centrelink was going to come for them. And yeah, they took, um, they took their own lives. And when Centrelink started to get all of those calls and started to understand that these debts were wrong, how was there not a pause on the system? Because it went on for months and months and months. The government was told that this was wrong and they kept saying, no, 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 it's all right. Um, before finally they agreed that, no, this is wrong. And um, the government did finally um, roll back most of the robo debts. This deserves a, a royal commission in my eyes. But the Prime Minister, interestingly, yesterday batted it off and said that um, that it had all been looking to and there was nothing to see. Um, on other things, can I just point out, aged care, um, the government did release, um, did pour quite a lot of money out in the budget to address some of the findings of the Royal Commission into aged care. Um, that was one of their big dollar figures from the budget. Um, and they have done some things around aged care, obviously with COVID and the amount of deaths in aged care, there was, um, there's a lot of work to do there, but Labor has come out after that saying they will, they will honour everything that the government has done. Plus they're going to do, um, they're going to ensure that they're 24-7, there is a nurse on site in aged care facilities. They're going to ensure that there is a certain uh, standard in food care that is met and that, um, that aged care providers actually have to publicly and transparently release how they're meeting each of these targets. So um, I think that's interesting as well, particularly for people, older people with disability. Um, yeah, I, honestly, can I just say um, the one area that I want to see more, every single party release more policies on is housing. I think housing is one of those issues that is um, impacts people with disability more than any other. I don't know about you, but I just, housing, finding affordable housing, housing is one thing. Well. But then, mm-hmm. but yeah, affordable housing is, is impossible and then you try and find affordable accessible housing and it is just like trying to find a unicorn it is impossible and also I li- also housing yeah. with with dignity not just necessarily meeting the base level and sticking yeah, absolutely. You know, a bunch of different people oh. into the same house <laughs> can, I, can i say i'm speaking about housing outside of the end so outside of sda and sill i'm talking about just in renting affordability yeah. Yeah. yeah mainstream housing i rent i live in a house that i can't get in and out of without someone helping me i live in a house where i can't get in and out of the shower by myself yeah. and people say to me well why don't you move 
I look on realestate.com.au like every day looking for an accessible house. I look mm. like, you know, I pay a lot for rent and I sometimes look, you know, $300 more a week just to see if that'll get me like a shower I can use by myself. Yeah. No way, nothing. Um, mm. The housing affordability crisis in this country is out of control even before you start to add accessibility requirements. So I'm interested to see, I think I would be shocked if uh, the major parties didn't address that in the last two weeks. Um, I think the Greens uh, may have released their policies already. I would recommend you check out their website, but um, I reckon that that probably is the last major policy at least come from Labor. Closing question, what do people with disabilities need to do? And also more broadly, I mean, what can listeners do to support um, even those without disabilities? Amazing question, Bridget, because I think people with disability fight every single day. We fight for our basic human rights. We fight just, you know, our health challenges. We fight to get access. We are constantly fighting. Um, so to have the support of Australians without disability at this election is essential. We need every single Australian who is lining up to vote on May 21st to be thinking of the NDIS and to be thinking of which candidate on this How to Vote card is going to be best to defend our NDIS, who is going to be best to get it back to that original promise that we made to Australians with disability. We promised Australians with disability the security and safety of knowing the NDIS would always be there to give them the supports they need to live their best life. And speaking to particularly some parents at the National Day of Action this week, they told me that having that security and safety meant everything but over the last year that fear has started to creep back in that fear of what is going to happen to my kids when I'm not here is starting to wake them up at night and they say to me I just don't want to live with that fear again so we I I I say to people with disability and without The future of the NDIS has not been written, but we have to be the ones that write it. So we have to decide whether we are going to let the NDIS become a welfare scheme that is whittled down to standardised packages and... um, where people with disability are ignored or whether we are going to deliver on that promise, whether we are going to give those parents back the security that we gave them 10 years ago and whether we are going to give people with disability the life they've always wanted. And that is that crossroads moment this election is at. Mm. So when everyone is standing in the line um, to go and vote on May 21st. 
I just want them to be thinking about which candidate is best to defend our NDIS. And to them, I want them to make that decision for themselves. And I just don't want us to leave anything out on the field so that we know we did everything we could. So if anybody wants to support our campaign, go to everyaustraliancounts.com.au, um, sign up, reach out to me on social media. Um, Instagram and Twitter are my favourites, as Aki knows. And, um, and, and just join this movement. We have a lot of fun while fighting for something that really matters. This is our moment. This is really, this is the moment that we are going to defend our NDIS. Thank you so much, Ellie. Thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your passion, for everything that you're doing to fight for our community. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has tuned in to today's show. We are sending well wishes, safety, solidarity to all members of our community, including those who have been forgotten, not believed and unsupported in their disability and or chronic illness journeys, especially relating to their supports and their NDIS. The stress, trauma and pain is not acceptable. But if you take anything away from today, it's that you have power, that your vote counts. Let's defend the rights of all members of our community with disability. Thank you again to all of you. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to my lovely co-host, Bridget MacArthur. Thank you to Ellie and your amazing words. We'll be back on the first Wednesday of each month. You can catch us on podcasts and on the 3CR website. Catch you all next time. Treats CR Community Radio, 855 AM.